Hanukkah. 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 You're listening to Hanukkah Podcast, highlighting citizen Potawatomi Nation issues, members, and more. Paige Willett Nadeshnikas, Borewadme Ndao. I'm your host, Paige Willett, CPN tribal member and employee. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and rate us. During this episode, we'll hear from a marathon runner who donated to a tribal scholarship fund, look at one way CPN is making an opioid overdose reversal tactic more available, and celebrate 20 years of the Potawatomi Leadership Program. What inspired Vanessa Griffin to run her first marathon at 50 years old and raise money for a Citizen Potawatomi Nation scholarship? In part, it was the best-selling book, Braiding Sweetgrass, written by CPN tribal member Dr. Robin Wall Kimmerer. Hanukkah reporter Tina Bridenstine talked with Griffin about her experience learning about anti-racism tactics and working with the CPN Department of Education to contribute to tribal members' education. A few years ago, Griffin joined fellow parishioners at her church reading books and educating themselves on racism in the United States. So as I did that work and kind of did some self-examination, but I've also in the last 15 or so years been really involved with a lot of grassroots organizing. One of the things I was reflecting on was what can I personally do that doesn't involve, you know, anybody else? What, what are my choices going to be? She came up with the idea of running a marathon, which she considers to be one of the few things everyone can get behind in a polarized society. Griffin took up running when she was 40, completing 5Ks and half marathons, but never a full marathon. She decided to try to make a difference by running her first one as a fundraiser. When deciding who should benefit from that money, she was strongly influenced by Dr. Kimmerer's Braiding Sweetgrass. Griffin enjoyed the hours training outdoors in the forest, listening to the audiobook. For her, it emphasized that she lived on land that was once home to the Potawatomi people. Dr. Kimmerer's chapter on pecan trees, that is one of the most beautiful essays that I have run across. It's such a beautiful expression of the importance of place and the grief that is involved when a people are relocated from one place to another that is so different from an ecological standpoint. Though she wanted to help raise awareness about the removal of the Potawatomi people, Griffin also researched where the citizen Potawatomi Nation is today and its headquarters in Oklahoma. I did come back to the idea that the citizen Potawatomi Nation exists. That is where the Potawatomi Nation was forcibly, silently relocated to. And that is where they have their home. And there is beautiful work going on there. With that in mind, Griffin called the CPN Department of Education and spoke to former Education Director Tasia Zentech and Assistant Education Director Charles Lee III. I had a very I'll call it a white lady idea, which is, I'd like to create a scholarship. And I came to Tasha and Charles with this grandiose proposition of a new scholarship. And they very gently, very calmly said, that's, that's great. 
that's a great idea. We love the idea. Thank you for the idea. But what would really help us is if you donated to this other scholarship that's already been established and exists. Zintek and Lee told Griffin about the Michael John Kennedy Scholarship, which was established in 2021 to honor CPN veteran Michael John Kennedy. Each year, the scholarship awards $1,000 to a tribal member who is a veteran or the child or grandchild of a veteran, with applications taken from July 15th to September 15th. Griffin enjoyed learning about Kennedy's story. And he was so, my understanding is he was so committed to the idea of education that he um, really wanted that to be passed on to new generations. And so I love the fact that there's a connection to someone who believes deeply in the power of education. Griffin put that kind of dedication toward raising money to honor him. She trained for about six months before running the Madison Marathon in Madison, Wisconsin in November 2022. Her goal was to finish the marathon and raise $5,000, with a stretch goal of finishing the marathon in less than five hours. She was able to finish in five hours, 13 minutes, and she ultimately raised $6,500. It's a little mind-blowing, and, and I'm somebody who, for the first 40 years of my life, only ran when chased. And um, I think that might be part of the success of the fundraiser. Um, I think a lot of people in different walks of my life, maybe before my 40s, were like, she's doing what? Griffin said it is too soon to think about if she will do another marathon. She said it was like asking a new mother when she'll have her next baby. However, she found the experience empowering. It feels so big when you're when you haven't done it yet, but if you have achieved that goal and you can look back on it and say, wow, you know, I spent that many hours doing that. What am I going to do with the next 479.3 hours? And it's a good puzzle to have before you. Griffin said she does want to continue to educate herself and others about the country's history. It has allowed me to be a little bit more public with this interest in understanding and learning from and moving past in, in healing ways the hard histories of our nation. I think those are hard conversations for a lot of people to have. And I hope that I am opening the door gently always in all the projects that I work on. She feels honored to have worked with the CPN Department of Education to benefit the MJK Scholarship. They were so kind and so responsive to me for really no good reason. But they just have these beautiful open spirits and I just was so honored to partner with them. To learn more about the Department of Education or the Michael John Kennedy Scholarship, visit cpn.news backslash education or portal.potawatomi.org. Find them on Facebook at facebook.com backslash cpn education.
In June 2003, 20 years ago, Citizen Potawatomi Nation welcomed the first group of students to participate in the Potawatomi Leadership Program. Brittany Destry-Duck was 17 years old that summer and participated in the PLP between her junior and senior years of high school. The Bertrand family descendant traveled from Illinois to CPN land near Shawnee, Oklahoma. It was a cultural experience that like, we were feeling tied to in a way that I don't think that we would have without the, the leadership program. Each year, the tribe invites approximately 10 students to spend six weeks at the nation's headquarters as interns. They learn about the tribe's government, resources, and enterprises, as well as Potawatomi culture and tribal identity. They meet with each department, listen to presentations from CPN leaders, attend ceremonies in the Family Reunion Festival, and present their ideas for tribal improvements to the larger community. The first year or two, students stayed in the dorms at the now-closed St. Gregory's University, but that quickly changed after the tribe bought a piece of property affectionately called the Sharp House after its previous owners. Margaret Zintek is the director of the Workforce Development and Social Services Department. However, each summer, she also lives with the PLP interns as their house mother. It's amazing to me the students walk away and how many of them have are better prepared for college and dorm life and sharing roommates because they had to. Approximately 200 students have participated in the program, and Zintek sews each one a set of regalia in time for the Family Reunion Festival powwow at the end of June, with few exceptions. While some of the qualifications have changed over the years, the program welcomes high school graduates on their way to their freshman or sophomore year of college to apply. Okay, we got about four flour in here, so what it's going to do is I could do half milk, half warm water. Most participants experience some independence for the first time while living with the tribe. Zentech has seen many of them grow from children to young adults. And they really learn to talk and to listen and to work together on cleanup. Um, and they learn how personalities are different. And it's so much fun to watch them evolve and to see them if you will, develop friendships, and some of them I've seen come back year after year, and to see them grow and see their faces light up when they talk about what their passion is. I, I just, I love it. Zintek said living with the young tribal members keeps her youthful, and they teach her things as well, such as the difference between vegan and vegetarian diets. For many participants, the experience changes their educational and career paths. Some transfer schools, change their majors, or move across the country. Duck decided to attend the University of Oklahoma and started as a Native American studies major before switching later. It was like my first view at like independent life. Just kind of like an awakening into like all of these things that I didn't really know about myself um, as a tribal member and just like as an adult human, I guess. Throughout the last 20 years, PLP participants have returned to work for the tribe in a variety of capacities. The experience has also ignited inspiration for future careers, and many of them have found friendships and relationships that have lasted a lifetime. The program also provides many participants with a variety of cultural experiences for the first time, including naming ceremonies, hand games, talking circles, dancing in the powwow arena, learning the language, 
drumming, and attending the Family Reunion Festival at the end of June. More than anything, Zintek said the participants each year learn how to find strength and solidarity in their identity as an Indigenous person. I use the PLP, words that have echoed over the years, and it's, I'm going to do a summer program with the Potawatomi, and it's, they don't really see themselves as a Potawatomi, and when they leave, it is, I am Potawatomi. Um, and that they own it. And some of them will tell you that, many of them will tell you, they feel like, I didn't know where I was coming and what to expect, but I feel like I'm at home. And that feeling of belonging is just that revelation. After being a member of the first PLP class, Deck became the Citizen Potawatomi Nation Princess at the Potawatomi Gathering in 2004. She has continued to feel that sense of duty to represent her heritage well into the present day as a 37-year-old mother working in film and television production. I do try to share about my experience often, and I think like, especially in LA, working on sets with people that sometimes say things and you're like, actually, I'm Native American and what you're saying is pretty racist or whatever. I don't know. I try to be a good representative of our community. And it was some of like the best time of my life, honestly. I It was so transformative for me. Deck hopes to see her daughter, now a toddler, attend the program. As time moves toward the next generation of participants, Zintek feels grateful for the experience of teaching the next group of tribal leaders. It doesn't feel like 20 years to me, and it actually amazes me. Harvard's Honoring Nations program recognized the Potawatomi Leadership Program in October 2014 at the National Congress of the American Indian Annual Convention for its focus on the future of Indian country. The PLP updates its curriculum each year to improve and offer a new experience to each class. Find out more about the Potawatomi Leadership Program at plp.potawatomi.org. It's going to be in case of overdose, open up this um, cabinet. And then once you open it up, there are also some tear outs here that are just instructional. They go over exactly step by step what to do whenever you do get the actual nasal spray out of the um, container. Then some of you will also According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the United States experienced 92,000 overdose deaths in 2020, three quarters of them involving opioids. This spring, Citizen Potawatomi Nation added Narcan to all 98 AED cabinets at tribal enterprises and offices to help reduce that number. Anyone that's familiar with those kits, they know there's a red Ambu bag hanging off the AED that has your one-way valve, your mask, and everything to give those breaths. So we'll also have this black kit. It's going to be a NAR kit is what it's called. Um, and it also um, it has just Velcro right here. Open it up. That's where your Narcan will be found. Um, there will be one to two doses in there of Narcan at all times, um, and that's kind of where we'll start to keep it, just be attached to the AED. 
And then another cool thing is... The cabinets include written and voice instructions for how to administer Narcan. Chad Steven is the tribe's CPR and first aid instructor. He held classes in March to teach employees how to use Narcan, and 175 of them attended. We kind of had been discussing it, and with all like the rise in overdose deaths with the whole fentanyl thing coming up, and you know you see it in the news, you see it all over the place on the on the internet, and so we kind of talked, and uh, we thought it would be a good idea, and we we approached leadership about it, and they were like, yeah, they loved it, they they uh, brought it to the chairman, and then he thought it was a great idea. And so then we kind of started to uh, look up places that have the remarking packages because it was hard to find stickers <laughs> that say Narcan on the side of them. But we found them um, through a company, and so then we ordered packages, remarking packages for all of the AED cabinets. So what is Narcan? What is naloxone? Um, many of us kind of have an idea. Um, we kind of know. Um, and it is that opioid antidote. Um, it attaches to your opioid receptors in your brain and it will knock the opioid off and cover it with the Narcan, okay? That's kind of the, the principle of what Narcan is doing. Um, during an opioid overdose, the common thing is that your the breathing is gonna be repressed. So the central nervous system is gonna start. Okay, so when you're gonna use your Narcan, you're gonna open it up out of the plastic packaging. It is gonna have a plastic packaging on the front and a paper packaging on the back. You're gonna peel that paper packaging off and then it is going to be a plunger just like any nasal spray and so you're going to go ahead and grab the narcan dispenser put your thumb on the plunger and then you are going to find the nostril of the person that you're going to give the narcan dose to and you're going to remember to remember the nostril that you use because if you have to give a second dose you're going to switch that up then you're going to insert the tip of the uh, nasal spray into the nostril and then put your thumb back on the plunger and give it a firm push, creating a misting effect that goes into the nose. That is where the medication is uh, taken. And then you're gonna roll them on their side into the rescue position, and you're gonna wait there for two to three minutes until either signs and symptoms um, improve, or if they don't improve, then you can, can repeat the dose um, just in the, the next nostril. Um, over here in about, 2012, 2013, 2014 is when you can really see our numbers start to bounce up. And um, this is really when we started to get our, what they call the fentanyl wave. Um, when people started to cut different drugs with fentanyl and that kind of a thing. Um, so that's why you kind of can see a giant jump right here, especially up from 2019 to 2020, we're up 32%. So it's a, a big problem and a big issue. So it's, good, it's really good to kind of know how to do this because you could run into one of these, one of these people, one of these, um, uh, we were notified about the Narcan training, so our whole department in HR decided that we definitely wanted to take advantage of that. Um, I personally um, have a family member that was affected by fentanyl. I lost a 22-year-old nephew this past year, so I just really understand the importance of this training, and um, I hope that everybody takes advantage of this awesome effort that CPN is putting out there. Uh, whenever someone is overdosing, you have time to give them naloxone, but you want to be there as quickly as possible. And all these kind of things, you want to do it as quickly as possible. So um, um, if, it's, if, it, if it's definitely... The overdose deaths are rising, and it's very quickly rising. So it's very important that everyone uh, know how to use the, the nasal spray and that kind of a thing. And it's also a simple fix, right? So someone can be having a very, very terrible, terrible day. And then you, you have a nasal spray, you kind of help them out with that. And it's, it seems simple, but it's a giant thing. So, and, and that everyone can be trained on, know how to use, and, and have access to.
In the future, Stephen plans to add Narcan information to the CPR classes. In Oklahoma, it's possible to get Narcan through a licensed pharmacist without a prescription for an opioid. It should not be stored in extreme temperatures or exposed to direct sunlight, and it should always be kept within the expiration date. Anyone acting in good faith who administers Narcan is protected under the Good Samaritan law. For more information about Narcan, visit cdc.gov backslash stop overdose. Hanukkah Podcast is produced and brought to you by Citizen Potawatomi Nation's Public Information Department. Please click the subscribe button and leave us a rating and share the show with your family and friends. You can find CPN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potawatomi. Visit us on the web and find digital editions of the tribal newspaper at Potawatomi.org. That's P-O-T-A-W-A-T-O-M-I dot org. Miigwech nikanek, mamamina. Thank you, friends. See you later.